AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Hello and welcome to another cybersecurity episode of the AI in Action podcast. I am your host, John Petherbridge. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Richard Nealon, a seasoned information security and risk professional who was once on the board of directors at ISC Squared and is now a member of the board of trustees at SABSA. There is very little Richard hasn't experienced in this industry. And in this episode, he shares his thoughts on the value of ethics in cybersecurity. How I got into cybersecurity was, I was by uh, the back door back in in the day that that I joined the security team. Uh, first of all, that then the word cyber didn't exist; it was wasn't even heard of at that stage. But uh, I came from a, a comms background, and um, when I I basically had uh, had a differences of opinion with my my manager at the time, and they were looking to get rid of me, and I was looking for a move. And the security team, uh, we had a, a wonderful gentleman called Charlie Williams. Charlie was a, a fabulous, fabulous mentor to me. And uh, I joined the team and went into an area called uh, network security at the time. So security was basically uh, split into three different areas. There was data security, network security, and physical security. And, and Charlie had responsibility for all three. Um, so I, I, uh, I did my time in network security, first of all, finding out what network security was. And back in the day, when it was all SNA networks, um, basically security, network security was all about encryption. So it was a, a wonderful learning experience from my point of view. Uh, I learned uh, a lot about crypto back in, in those days. I suppose advancing my career from there was kind of through a back door. I, uh, when I was working in, in crypto in key management, um, for Bank of Ireland, there was a gentleman called David Linus who was working in key management for Ulster Bank. And David and myself would, would have discussions twice a year when we'd be exchanging keys over a period of a couple of weeks. And uh, we became quite good friends, but we had never even met each other face to face. David left the Ulster Bank and he set up a, a company, uh, a consultancy company, and uh, started a security conference called COSAC. The people that I met through COSAC have been life-changing in terms of my security career. So through David's conference in COSAC, I met a gentleman called uh, John O'Leary. And John O'Leary introduced me to a lady called Diana Contesti. And Diana at that stage was doing uh, test development for IS squared. And I had just sat the CISSP exam back in 98. Uh, and there were questions on the Boston Fire Regulations and the Rainbow Series and uh, all of the, the models, the architectural models that are used in, in U.S. government. Um, and, and this stuff really wasn't relevant to me as a security professional. So I, I gave Diana an earful at a conference one time and she said, OK, well, she said, put your money where your mouth is. Come on and do some test development. Make the, the test international. Uh, make it easy to understand for non-American native speakers and uh, do some of that. So that was my, my first involvement with ISC Squared. And ISC Squared was kind of a jumping off point for me. 
uh, in that the, the contacts that I, I made through my days in ISC squared uh, were just, they were, they were life changing. They were um, just fabulous people, uh, super, super smart, uh, doing all sorts of different things. Um, and uh, you always had the ability to sit down and, and talk with them and uh, discuss what they were doing and, and see how you could make your job better by picking up some of their experience. So it, it was it was really wonderful. So uh, yeah, I've had a, a very been very lucky to have such a varied career uh, path. I, I see that nowadays in some of the younger people that are coming up through the industry. They're not afraid to push their their comfort factor beyond their their bounds of of you know where where they've come from. So it, it, they're very open to taking on new things and and exploring new new opportunities. Yeah, I think that's that's a real benefit for. For the up and coming talent in uh, in cybersecurity, I think anyone that's coming into it, they understand to an extent what they're in for and how how the the landscape is always changing. It's a beautiful yeah. job like that, John. I mean, it, it it doesn't matter what you what you're interested in. So I've had people come from uh, social sciences background. One of the best security people I've ever worked with came from a social sciences background, and she sat for the interview and she said, "Listen, I think I'm in the wrong place." Uh, and she was absolutely fabulous at her job because she understood uh, people and she understood what motivated people and how to bring them on board and how to work with them. Um, I've had people who were uh, national school teachers who said, okay, well, I'm not sure about all the technical stuff, but I really like to do security awareness training. So there's, just, it doesn't matter what background you come from or, or what your interests are. There's, there's so much stuff uh, within the domains of information security that there literally is a job there for anybody uh, who, who wants it um, and, and who wants to start off, I suppose, feeling a little bit comfortable in doing what they, what they want to do. Just going back a little bit, actually. So you said you got into security through the back door. So I take yeah, it back well, no, to nobody, your nobody chose no security. security degree. <laughs> Back then. No, nobody, nobody chose security as a career choice back in those days. There were, um, there were things like, uh, so I, I did a, a, a course in Trinity at one stage, uh, advanced computer programming. I was a lousy programmer. It wasn't the course for me. Um, there were, there was also a computer science degree uh, at that time, but, but that was pretty much it in terms of IT. So, you know, you could do a, a diploma course or a degree course, but you were basically down to either programming or computer science. Um, and, and there really wasn't, um, there wasn't an awful lot of academic choice in terms of the specialisms uh, that you see now. So, yeah, it might have been a very different uh, career uh, path for me uh, if some of those were, were there. So that there, are, there are wonderful um, um, you know, even if, you, if you're just talking about cybersecurity or information security or data security or whatever you want to call this, this thing that we have, um, if you want to just look at that particular specialism, there's courses all around the country and all around the world that you can do at distance learning if, if you want to uh, in that. I mean, at the time that I was looking at academic courses, um, there was a degree course in Royal Holloway. Uh, that was the only one that I, I knew of at that time um, yeah. in, in sp- uh, specialism in information security. That's been running for a long time, that one. Yeah, that's, that's been running for a long, a long time. And, I know a lot of people yeah. that have that, yeah. 
it's really good. Like, yeah, it's, and it, 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 it's a it's a fabulous course. I I I know uh, a lot of the people that are involved in it, and uh, it's it's just a fabulous fabulous course. And and I know a lot of people who have done that uh, master's degree in in terms of um, at distance learning, but in terms of of bachelor's degrees, uh, I think at the moment they're still. Um, there's very few courses at the moment that uh, focus on specific areas. I know there's there's one up in uh, Institute of Technology up in Letterkenny that focuses on it. But very often what you find in, in our business is that information security is kind of lumped in with forensics. So it, it, it focuses on it from a forensic point of view. And that's fine. It, it, but it looks at it from a technical point of view rather than as a, a kind of a holistic thing it's it's a tech it's nearly technical training rather than education if you know what i mean mm. i'm not to say say those things that are they're they're definitely they're wonderful things to have and that's only me looking at it from an outsider but that's the impression that i get and i, I may be completely wrong on that do you know what? i think there's, there's there's so many different ways to enter cyber security and you've proved it from a, the way you've entered it is still a way to enter it today um it's been similarly going from a technical role and evolving it and sidestepping into cyber security or going through um the, the the various different courses you could do um and and apprenticeships you can do in cyber security also there, there are some interesting ways to get into it i think it's about just finding the right way to get in for the individual like you said there's people that will come from a teaching background and they could just they'd like to get into cyber security training or some kind of project management background they'll get into some um implementation of twenty seven thousand and one, that sort of stuff absolutely um, and, and yeah. just going back just going back to to charlie charlie and myself when when we were um when we were trying to recruit people into to cyber security there were there were two things that we used to look for one was a passion uh, so people who were passionate about doing anything, any anything that they they set their mind to. So you know, if they like doing hill walking and they were passionate about hill walking, uh, that was that was kind of a, a good tell for us. And the other thing that we loved uh, were people who played chess and people who did crosswords, oh, okay. uh, because they were lateral thinkers. They they thought in a, a, a different type of way. And and I mean, it, it sounds it sounds stupid to look at those two things as being uh, key tells or key issues that you were looking for, but they they served us very well in terms of recruiting a great team at the time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you had your own criteria for your team. Um, those those yeah, were our, our criteria. It really doesn't matter. We, we took on people with degrees in geography. Uh, like it, was, it was a whole pile of different people, uh, and, and that's really a good security team. Uh, needs to have a broad spectrum of interests and talents and skills. Uh, there's no point in, in going off and recruiting people that are exactly like yourself uh, because, you know, all you're doing is you're cloning yourself. Uh, you're better off going off and, and looking at people who, who really don't fit into your mold but have something that they can bring to the table that you can't provide. And, and that's what makes a good security team. And from your time at ISC Squared, like what, in your opinion, is the most well-rounded accreditation that you can get for that for people that I'm asked every day, what what certification should I get or what is most sought after certification? Uh, so this is the kind of sixty-four dollar question. There's <laughs> at, at the time that time that 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 I did my my CISSP, so that there were only about four thousand people in the world who had CISSP at the time. 
and now there's 140,000, 150,000. So I got it at the time because it was a differentiator for me. Yeah. So it, it made me different from uh, everybody else. I, I was the second CISP in Ireland. Paddy Roberts was the first. At that time, it differentiated me from the rest of the crowd. So there's 150,000 people now, and it's nearly a, a, a default for going into a new role in security management uh, to have CISSP, you, you, you need it. Or CISM, or one of the other accreditations that, that are out there. Um, the way I look at it is that um, accreditations are useful in a number of different ways. They're, they have to be taken with a grain of salt. They're only as good as uh, the person was in the exam on the day that they took the exam. So I would look up my accreditation and it goes back to 98. I'd say, if I sat down and did CISSP in the morning, would I get it? I don't know, but I'm not going to let that accreditation slip because yeah. it is important if I go into a job. I mean, you know, every job that I look at has CISSP, CISM preferred, whatever your your accreditation is. Um, so I think it's important for people to look for accreditation uh, that are meaning that's meaningful to them. So if I'm looking for a job in security management, then that's probably the two accreditations that I'm looking for. If I'm looking for a job in in the cloud business, so if I was looking for a job with Amazon working on their AWS or Microsoft working on Azure or whatever, I'd probably look at CSSP, so the 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 cloud accreditation from ISC squared, because again yeah. that's the one that that fits the the job that I'm looking for. The the two criteria that I would use is one is it a recognised certification, so yeah. if I said um, you know, to you that I, I'm a certified, whatever the, the acronym is, and you say, well, I have no idea what that is, then it's really not much use to me because it doesn't give you any perspective of what my skill set is. But if I, I go to you and I say, yeah, I'm a CISSP, then you know what that is, you know? And, and we used to have an IC squared, we used to have issues because, um, CISSP is, is, is a great accreditation. There are some, what I would call some fantastic accreditations, what we call the concentrations. So in engineering, in security architecture, and in security management, uh, but nobody knows what they are. Uh, so the, having the CISSP is your entry level point and you have to have years of experience on top of that and years of experience in different domains on top of that. So um, there's only a couple of hundred People, sorry, a couple of thousand people worldwide with those accreditations, and and I would always rate them because I know what they are. But yeah. most people, you know, uh, yourself, you wouldn't be aware of what an ISSMP is. But yeah, uh, exactly. You know, it means nothing to you. But I say I'm a CISSP. You know exactly where I am. So yeah. you have to make the accreditation relevant to the job that you're looking at, and also then you have to make it relevant to you and your your career path. I do a little bit of a sidestep here. So we're in our kind of previous chat just before we we we, we kind of came to lock in the podcast episode. Um, we're talking a little bit about ethics and cybersecurity. Um, yeah. And I guess just the importance of it. Like a lot of roles, you have ethics plays a big part in it, whether it's the, like the fire brigade or the guards. Um, you you shed a bit of light on it previously, just around how the 
ethics are different in cyber, how it's so important in cybersecurity, but there's, there's a few different angles that you, that you, that you highlight that I thought were interesting. Yeah, I, I think there's a, I think there's there's a couple of things about it, and again, this is one of the this is one of the values of of some of the certification programs that's often overlooked, you know. So so as I say, if you sit a certification, you're only as good as you were on that particular day at taking that particular test. But if you have the certification, you also have to abide by a code of ethics. So it doesn't matter whether it's an ISACA certification or it's an IC squared certification. You have a code of ethics that you have to abide by. And that's a really, really important thing for an employer to understand as well. So it, the employer knows that if you breach that code of ethics, you risk losing your certification. You, you, you won't be able to, you know, so if, if I breach the ISC squared code of ethics and somebody made a complaint against me and the ethics committee upheld that complaint, then I can never become uh, an ISC squared member or hold one of their certifications again. Okay. So okay. there's a there's there's a lot of investment that, that people make in their certification programs, whether it's to do with training or whether it's to do with their their annual maintenance fees and keeping up their CPs and like there's a lot of personal investment in it. And for somebody to take away that certification, um, you know, it, it it focuses the mind. So I, I, I particularly love the ISC squared code of ethics. It, it was founded back in, oh, I'm going to say probably the late seventies or early eighties, and it hasn't changed much since then. Uh, very, very simple, uh, four canons of ethics, protect society, the common good, necessary public trust and confidence in the infrastructure. And that's the first canon act honorably, honestly, justly, responsibly, and legally, provide diligent and competent service to principals, and advance and protect the profession. Um, yeah, I think the simplicity of it just means helps it just carry on. Um, yeah, the, the and the simplicity, yeah, the simplicity of it is double-edged. Sometimes because it's simple, people say, well, there's not much in there. And yet the simplicity of it is means that it's very easy when you sit down and you read those canons to if you're conflicted in any way, to understand exactly where you stand in the code of ethics, because ethics is a kind of a gray area. Um, people would love it to be black and white. So there, there's a right way of doing things and there's a wrong way of doing things and there's nothing in the middle. But very often we, we have to make decisions through our career, through our work, um, that, are, that fall into that gray area where you have to question it yourself. And you say, am I doing the right thing? So a great example, and one that I, I love to, to, to bring up when we look at, at ethical dilemmas is the Snowden thing. But if you look at those ethics, what he believes that he was doing was protecting society, the common good, necessary public trust and confidence, and maybe not the infrastructure, but, but the first part of that, uh, that canon. He, yeah. he he judged himself to be doing. And and because providing diligent and competent service to principals is the third canon in there, the first canon trumps the, the, the third canon. So these are they're ordered in a specific fashion. So the first one is the most important and the last one is the least important. So uh, Snowden Snowden is a really good example. He's he he did something that he believed was the right thing to do. So People are conflicted every day, well, it's not every day, but, but throughout their careers. 
at some time or, or another with ethical dilemmas. I um, yeah, look, I guess the the simplicity of the of these frameworks and these kind of pillars to 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 conduct ourselves by to conduct yourselves by it's um they're simple they're not but they're not easy and they're they're open to interpretation um they're, they're, and, uh, they're not easy no they're not there, there's a lot of there, there's a thing called a preamble to the code of ethics which which helps people um come to a decision uh, based on on you know some pointers i suppose around the code of ethics but yeah. but it's it's easier i suppose as you go on in your career to make those decisions but i i'm I've made some tough decisions in my career and, and I'm sure that anybody working in the industry will make tough decisions in their career. And, and you have to be able to, to come to terms with that and say, yeah, well, I, I made the right ethical decision. It, um, I think about this. So obviously we're recording this during the COVID-19 um, pandemic and we're all remotely um, by a video conference. Um, it'd be in, a lot of people are starting jobs during this time yeah. it's just this crazy time to start jobs my sister just started a job remotely um a few weeks ago and it's, it's, it's a funny time of listening to her onboarding um it's interesting i'd imagine for people starting cyber security jobs now uh, during this pandemic and if you're entering your career in cyber security at the moment and everything is is remote um i guess from from your perspective if you are onboarding someone in that position in, into a cyber security team or if it was someone that was coming out of college or starting cyber security right now in this pandemic what what advice would would, would you would you give to them yeah it, it, it's a really tough time to be uh, to be starting all right and and especially somebody who's starting uh, like it's easy for somebody like me I've been around the block a whole pile of different times I've worked in different different environments uh, for a lot of different bosses over the years um, and it, it, it's easier I'm, I'm easier able to adapt now but from the other point of view, I'm in the older cohort, uh, age-wise, uh, and I've pretty much worked in an office for a lot of my life. Um, and even even my my previous job, uh, I had the option of working from home whenever I like to do it, but I chose to work in the office for most of the time because I found that um, a lot of security things come to your attention when you just happen to be there and somebody walks by your desk and says listen do you mind if I run something by you and and when you're not in the office it's hard for somebody to do that they have to they have to think about it first and then they have to reach out to you and they're they're already half formed in their mind what they're going to say to you and and it's easier sometimes when people do that um you know just off the bat rather than do it so I I actually like to go in and have a presence in the office whenever I could, because um, it was easier for people to talk to me. Um, I, I think one of the, the most important things in the information, for, for information security professionals, and this maybe comes back to the ethics thing as well, and it links in with it, is for people to be able to trust you. Okay. So the trust relationship that security professionals have with others in the organization, I think is something that's that's never really touched on. Um, I always I always associate good security professionals with um, people that you can trust. Um, in in the same way as that person who had the ethical dilemma said, "Do you mind if I run something by you?" And they were quite happy in in opening up to me 
because they knew that I would never identify who they were. And I think that that trust relationship is is something that that's often overlooked. It's hard to build trust over Zoom or over Skype or you know whatever Teams or, or whatever you you happen to be using at at the time. Uh, it, it's hard for you to build relationships with people and to get that level of trust. Different people look at trust in a different way. Um, some people say, well, <clears throat> I have inherent trust until somebody breaks that trust. And somebody say, well, if you want me to trust you, you have to earn that trust. And and there's a difference in in those that, you know, comes from it's glass half full, glass half empty. It depends on a, on a different way. But in terms of the... Uh, of the work that we're doing as security professionals at the moment, I think it's very hard to build that trust. So I, I think the the situation that we find ourselves in the moment at the moment is great for task based work. So if, if you have a number of things that you have to do, you know, where you're running a project or you know that where where things are are basically laid out in terms of tasks, uh, it's quite easy to to adapt to that. But where you have to uh, spend some time, maybe maybe thinking and and strategizing and and stuff like that, it, it's a little bit more challenging, in that it's harder to see how those things are are being done. Um, so it, it very much depends on when people are are taken onto a team, what they're given to do. Because I mean, the last thing you want to do is to take somebody onto your team and have them sitting there for the next two or three months not been uh, functional, you know, not being able to add much to the team. Uh, I, know, I know my daughter's team at the moment, they have uh, they have a meet-up every Friday, Friday drinks on Zoom, uh, and and they sit down from, you know, half five in the evening till half past 11 at night, uh, having virtual drinks online. And and that, that creates that team-building aspect, I suppose, that they don't get from interacting on a daily basis with the, the people that they're, they're working with still. Yeah, there was a lovely quote that I, I heard the other day. I was on a, a webinar um, and uh, one of the guys in the webinar said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, and I thought it was a lovely way of, of looking at the crisis that we're in at the moment and saying that the team leaders have um, a responsibility at the moment to put in that extra mile and, and keep their, their teams motivated um, to make sure morale is up uh, to make sure that people understand what they have to do. Uh, some people are in really tough positions now at the moment where both parties are working and they might have a number of small kids in the house and they're trying to divide their, their working environment, their home working environment in a small cramped space with a number of small kids. Um, and, and I think uh, good team leaders are trying to help people manage those types of, of issues and saying, okay, well, you know, if you're not on in the morning, then work a little bit later at night when the kids are going to bed or, or stuff like that. So they can split up some of those tasks. So I, I think certainly from, from the security team leadership at the moment, I think there's a big, big responsibility on us. To be able yeah. to say, we, you know, we have to look after our staff well at, at this point in time, and and really care about them. Absolutely, if we're flexible enough to 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 do everything virtually, yeah. I think I think we have um, yeah. we have to be flex we have to be flexible. I mean, there yeah. there really is nothing more important than people at the moment. Yeah. 
you know so go back to the old security things you know what what's what's important around security there's technology there's process there's people and there's environment and certainly people are on the top of that stack at the moment people are the most important uh, thing at the moment so we have to be able to to care for our our teams in a different way that's perfect look richard thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it you're very welcome thanks for having me on AI Action is brought to you by Aulus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aulus offer an exec search program. Aulus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aulus advantage. Become a member of the Aulus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.